everybody. Welcome to Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation's Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. We are recording these sessions for the purposes of Clearwater Jazz Holiday Education and Outreach. Today's educators are Frank Williams and Tyler Workman, and their topic is trombone fundamentals, long tones, and lip slurs. Participants are muted upon entry. And during the session, we appreciate your cooperation to remain muted for the courtesy of others. If you have a specific question, please feel free to use the chat feature in the toolbar to ask a question and we will try to reserve some time to answer those questions. Also, you can use the raise your hand feature to ask a question and we will unmute you when the educator takes these questions. We hope you enjoyed today's session. There are more upcoming free sessions that will be posted at clearwaterjazz.com's education and outreach page, www.clearwaterjazz.com education. Also, your feedback and any future session topic suggestions are welcome. Please email them to info at clearwaterjazz.com. We thank you very much. Let me tell you a little bit about today's musicians and educators. Frank Williams is very special to the Clearwater Jazz Holiday community. Not only is he the director of jazz at the uh, Ruth Eckert Hall, Marsha Hoffman School of the Arts, which we have supported for years, but he's also instrumental to the development and delivery of many of the innovative programs Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation supports in the community year-round. Frank is an educator with over 40 years teaching experience as a band director, conductor, adjudicator, clinician, composer, and author. Although Frank is a multi-instrumentalist, his primary instrument and in love is the trombone. And for those who may be interested, Carl Fisher Music recently published Mr. Williams' method book, Chops, The Ultimate Guide to Building Tone, Technique, and Flexibility which is available for trumpet and trombone. We also have with us Tyler Wortman today. Tyler is also very special to several Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation outreach programs, including our Young Lions Jazz Master Sessions and our My Journey with Jazz program. Tyler is a jazz trombonist and graduate and alumni of FSU and USF with a study focus on jazz performance. He is a composer, performer, producer, with a focus on jazz and classical styles. He performs with several groups and ensembles, which have taken him on many travels. Frank and Tyler, welcome to Clearwater Jazz Holidays, Young Lion Jazz Master Virtual Session. Gentlemen, the stage is all yours. All right. Hello, everybody. How you doing? Doing good. How are you, Frank? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. So I guess we're gonna talk about this uh, trombone thing a little bit, huh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, well, um, we start with long tones. Absolutely. Let's All go right. into long tones, then we'll move into um, lip slurs, and we'll also discuss breathing as well. Yeah, and all that too. There's something that we did not talk about very much, and I you don't mind if I how should I say veer off the script just a little bit. Go ahead. And that is, um, uh, the purpose of long tones is to build tone, endurance, etc. But everything that we say about it is contingent upon there being a reasonably intact, correct embouchure. 
Uh, and yeah. in my experience, I have had trombone players who've played for two and three years, kind of moved their whole program, and um, they have stuffy tones, they're puffing their cheeks, they have air pockets around the mouth everywhere, the throat is constricted, uh, all of the things that you go, oh my God, what <laughs> about this? So, <laughs> absolutely. And, and it's frustrating for the kids. So, the sooner we can cast some light on those things, the better. So, do you feel comfortable discussing just some, how should I say this, um, basic uh, uh, requirements of a good embouchure? Absolutely. Um, for me, good embouchure means a good seal on the mouthpiece. We don't want excess air escaping through um, our corners of our mouth or the top or, our, or the bottoms of our lips. We want all the air to be very focused through the center of the mouthpiece. Now, in order to do that, we need very tight and controlled corners. And in order to do that, um, I was taught to uh, pinch them down and then almost bring them down as far as you can um, in order to ensure a proper seal and buzz. Exactly. Exactly. A couple of things, if you don't mind me adding a couple of things. Absolutely. I found that getting a young player to use a little poo, ooh, ooh, kind of firms that right off the bat, at least gets them in the ballpark. Um, I've also found that uh, sometimes using uh, swizzle sticks or coffee stirrers uh, that you uh -huh. insert back bore of the mouthpiece will help them to center the mouthpiece the aperture that we find in the embouchure, and for those of you who are new to these kinds of terminologies, the aperture is just a little football-shaped hole right in the middle of the two lips that you use to uh, create the passage for air. So you want to make sure that's aligned with the bore of the mouthpiece, and a uh, squizzle stick or a, uh, a coffee stirrer can assist in pinpointing the accuracy of that place back. Absolutely. Basic stuff. And tight corners. Always keep those corners tight and keep a nice firm embouchure is the goal here, not constricted, firm. Yeah. Okay, I feel better now. <laughs> All right, <laughs> now let's go into it. <laughs> so first, let's go ahead and talk about buzzing, if that's okay. Yeah. We've already sort of uh, mentioned a few points on buzzing here. Um, and then we'll go into our long tones from buzzing. It seems um, buzzing is a concept that um, a lot of uh, newer musicians seem to um, maybe overlook in terms of building a core sound. Um, they're very focused on trying to play as high or as loud as they can when a lot of this beginning practice could be done just on the mouthpiece um, by itself to produce a great sound. Now, uh, a couple tips for buzzing is that we always want to keep the throat unrestricted. We want no tension. And this is something Mr. Williams can elaborate more on. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I actually um, learned, shout out to Larry Clark, who was vice president of uh, Carl Fisher, one of my former students. Uh, and now he has his own publishing company, one of the great composers in our country as well. 
is I had him do a clinic for me with the cadets of Bergen County when I was teaching that horn line. And they sounded so fat when I came back. I'm like, man, what do you do? He said, it's the vowel sound, man. It's just that opening the throat. I go, how would you do that? And he had them saying, A E I O U. And the O caused it the soft power to drop and open the back of the throat. So those of you who are observing, you can do this right at home while we're talking about it. A E I O U on one pitch, and you can feel relaxation and opening in that throat. And that is going to ensure a unrestricted opening in the throat, not just for the reduction of sound, but also for the intake of air. And while we are on that, if that throat is set properly and you take air in properly, you can actually feel a cold spot in the back of your throat at just about this point. And that is gonna ensure that the air you're taking into your body is absolutely unrestricted. A-E-I-O-U, air goes in, you can feel the cold spot. One last thing, uh, as we're talking about uh, this one thing, it has a little bit to do with breathing, but also the use of air. As you take air in, do not cap the airstream. What are you talking about? Well, here's capping the airstream. One, two. I stop the air. Right. Never get down, never get a good back. The idea is to take the air in and immediately spin it out. So we take air in. One, two. In one motion. In. without any capping and without developing any tension in the throat that will come if you try to cap the airstream. And that's something I see a lot of um, students do when they're first starting is when they take a big breath, they think, let me just inhale as much as I can, hold, and then play for the biggest sound possible, which is not the correct way. We want that air to be either moving in or moving out. It does not need to be stationary. Always moving, baby. <laughs> Always moving. That's right. And and going back to the A-E-I-O-U syllable practice. Now, it's not you. It's ooh. Okay. I don't know if you guys caught that. Um, it's very easy to get that uh, mixed up. So say you, right? And then say ooh. You can feel the chamber difference, the opening. And all of that room is room for the air to travel through, right? And if we're constricting that airflow, the air cannot move as fast. Yes. Not only is it room for the air to go through, but it is also expanding the resonating chamber inside your mouth. So we play big instruments, we play big fat sounds, you need a big fat resonating chamber, you say A-E-I-O-U, and you see a jaw drop, the throat open, the resonating chamber, open throat, win-win. Now, something else I want to ask you about, Mr. Williams, is um, when students take a big breath, yes. should the breath be audible? Should we be able to hear the students intake the air? Or should we hear a silent breath, in fact, and not hear anything at all? It should be as silent as possible. I mean, I... 
I've had 80 brass players and a uh, brass line, drum corps brass line, that's getting ready to fill up a stadium. I do mean fill it up. And when they take that first brass to play a triple forte, for instance, you hear nothing. All you see is expansion, and you know they're taking their in because you can see that something has happened, and then all of a sudden, voila, there's that sound. So if you have a noisy intake, that is absolutely a guarantee that your throat is not open. Open throat, close throat. The louder your breathing sound, the more close your throat. <laughs> and in terms, that's going to make you have a more open sound. You're not going to be as stuffy, you're not going to be as congested, and you're going to increase your range on either instrument that you play baritone, trumpet, trombone, sousaphone. Uh, it's all air. Uh, yeah. So now let's go ahead and talk about long tones. Um, I believe long tones is a fundamental building block in terms of tone building on any instrument, regardless of uh, brass or, or not. Do you agree, Mr. Williams? I agree. Now, what are some... Uh, basic exercises that the students can um, practice to um, get better at their long tones? I generally start in the lower middle register, either on a low B flat or an F. I start first with a single note, uh, a four count tone, an eight count tone, a 16 count tone, Gradually making the phrase long, getting the air moving, getting the lips doing what they need to do. Very, very easy. It's kind of a warm-up or a stretch. If you're getting ready to run like a jogger or something, you're getting that lip warmed up. And then I'll start doing either a scale, pre-crescendo, decrescendos, and controlling that pitch. Sometimes a tuner on the stand to see that the pitch is not going sharp or flat as you get louder or softer. That's very important. Uh, sometimes um, I'll do uh, uh, chromatics, uh, either uh, ascending or descending, depending on where I start on the horn. Uh, but I try to, the most important thing is, is it done in a lower middle range at first and then gradually up. My long-term practice on long tones, you should take me from low F below the staff to high D flat above high D flat. So we're talking two and a half octaves up and right back down. Because I don't stop once I get there. I come back down in the same way I went up. If it's diatonic, then it's diatonic. If it's chromatic, then it's chromatic. Do not rush this. It takes time, yes, but it builds endurance, it builds tone, and it ensures that your sound it's getting more robust each and every day. And, and you mentioned something very, very key that I still practice today. I just want to touch on it really quick. Um, you're practicing your scales from one of your lowest notes on your horn to one oh, of your highest notes that you feel comfortable playing. Yes. Now, you're doing that in one scale. We're not just talking, I'm going to play one octave, two octaves. You're going from the lowest possible note in the D-flat major scale on the trombone, which is F in sixth position, yeah. and yeah. playing up. 
Now, this is something I tried to do uh, with my scale practice as well, regardless of what mode I'm in. Um, I want to practice hearing a scale from my lowest possible note, not yeah. just from the root every time up to the root. Um, That's right. We can find a whole uh, new world of sounds and ideas from practicing like this that you're mentioning. Yes, 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 yes. And sing it as well. You know, don't just because I always say, if you can sing it, you can play it in tune. I, I do, I am reasonable. I would take short breaks after an octave. I play one octave, eight pitches if you're doing that diatonics. Um, and I would take a rest. Go the lips out, whatever. You know, get a drink of water, whatever. Take another octave, right? And then take the fifth or whatever is left and then take those little breaks at the same time. Just a matter of a few seconds to just get the horn off the face, get some fresh blood in there, bring in fresh oxygen. So we're always building muscle, not destroying anything. Very important that you're taking that time to build and not just constantly, let me try to play this double D flat every minute of every hour. We're yeah. working on something. Yeah, the, 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 for me, one of the most horrific things I ever hear are young players who come in and take their horn out of the case, and within two minutes, they're trying to play a high B flat. And that's like a great track star getting off the bus, running to the track, and then running a half mile or a quarter mile at full speed. Nobody does that that wants to last. Nope. And if you do that as a trombone player, you will not last. You will not develop. We need yeah. to treat our chops with respect, and in terms, our chops will respect us. Right. I have a question for you. And Absolutely. Good question. Do you, do you use a wet embouchure or a dry embouchure? You know, um... It tends to be drier. Um, I, I will say that. I used to lick my lips before yeah. I played. And not only my lips, I licked uh, the rim of my mouthpiece as yeah. well. And I noticed that started to lead to um, a bit of drying almost. Um, and of course, I had chapstick and, and all of that. But um, I tend not to. Uh, lick my mouthpiece or chops anymore. Yeah. Now, if, it, if there's something uncomfortable in the mouthpiece, obviously I'll try to rub it out or you know yeah. move it around. Yeah. But um, I tend to uh, play as dry as possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and I only mention that because there is no right or wrong way. There are some things that happen when you're starting to you, uh, lick your mouth and all that licky lips that kind of stuff. It's a chance of putting some bacteria in places where that bacteria was not. Uh, intended to be the mouth is not the cleanest place in your body. <laughs> Just saying that right now. So you know, if you clean everything up real good when you finish practice, and that might prevent that from happening. But if you got some bacteria working places that not supposed to be, uh, they might dry your chops out and give you some right. tools and that kind of thing. So be careful with that. There's nothing right or wrong. And sometimes I found that people play with extremely dry lips. A little moisture is how should I say? Um, appropriate for them. It helps it aid with the buzz. And then you talk about chapstick. I use DLT. It's called daily lip treatment. It's the same kind of thing, but uh, I found that it works uh, real good for brass players. And for those of us who were doing drum corps where you get the horn on your face for four or six hours a day, 
The daily look treatment was exactly that. You put this on your face every day. You wash your mouth every day. You clean your mouthpiece every day, or you're going to have a very ugly face. You know what I mean? And you might get sick afterwards. I've, I've heard of people oh, yeah. actually getting sick uh, because their mouthpiece and horns were not clean. Now, yeah. if you eat something before you buzz or play or warm up, just know that has to travel through your brass instrument. Okay, yeah. or woodwind or, or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Or wash your mouth with water before you put it through your horn. Otherwise, your instrument becomes a sophisticated garbage can. Uh, and that. Um, I have uh, one of the things, talk about buzzing and buzzing the mouthpiece. For the more advanced players who have a pretty good buzz in the mouthpiece, you might try free buzz. And free buzz is simply buzzing the lip without benefit of the mouthpiece or anything else. And if you notice that before I did that, I did lick my lips. I'm one of those wet players. That's just the difference between telling myself and there's no right or wrong. What works for you, works for you. But do understand, if you want old people who are licking their lips, licking their mouthpiece, better keep things clean, or you're probably going to have some uh, growth that you did not intend. This time is going very fast. I wonder if there are any questions about anything we discussed so far. Steve, do you have any questions? Um, I'm not seeing any yet from everybody else, but um, maybe uh, keep plugging away, and I'll send out a few messages and see if anyone has anything. They can chat a message, and we can uh, read that message to you guys. Or we, right. if someone wants to raise their hand, we can unmute them if they have if they want to talk their question out. But um, right. I don't see any right now. My time shows we have about 10, 12 minutes left. Is that about right on your clock, Steve? I mean, yeah. Um, it's uh, what time is it? It's four fifty-four right now. I mean. Yeah, uh, we got about ten minutes, but you don't don't feel restrained. We can go. We can go as long as you guys want to. All right, all right, all right. Well, I just want to touch on one thing Frank just talked about with the free buzzing. Now, this is something I was doing a lot in high school to strengthen not only my chops but my ears as mm -hmm. well. I would sit down with the piano, um, maybe F in the middle of the bass clef staff, uh, start there, and then buzz chromatically down just to get some blood moving. And not only that, to hear those pitches with the piano and with my buzzing. Because if I can match those two, I know exactly where it needs to be on the trombone. Oh, that's a good thing. I used to pre-buzz some of the more uh, lento audagio tempoed pieces that I'd be studying. Uh, mm. Studying, uh, for instance, the slow movement of the Bluebells of Scotland. I had always just buzzed that through. Uh, it only goes to an F, you know, and uh, you know, it's right, very, very comfortable. And I just learned above that. You know, uh, it requires you to move the air because I guarantee you, you're not going to get a buzz unless the air is robust. Now let's talk about the air. Um, when we're going up higher, should the air be slower or faster in terms of movement speed? Higher? If we're playing higher on the trombone, should the air be moving faster or slower? For me, and we haven't discussed this, the higher, the faster. Absolutely. That's it, the higher, the faster. You know, and a lot of times, uh, people who claim they have uh, range problems, 
Oh, I just can't pay these high notes. My armature is not strong enough. Well, it's your air that's not strong enough or fast enough or focused enough. So a lot of the problems that we attribute to the armature, to our lips, to our flesh, are really problems of the air. Absolutely. I agree 100%. The wind instrument, baby, it's all about the air that is moving. That's what wind is, air under pressure moving. That's what we do. <laughs> and so we're talking about air now. Let's go into lip slurs just for a little bit now before we have to um, wrap up the lesson. A lot of people believe, uh, especially younger musicians starting out, that lip slurs actually requires the lips to do the majority of the work in order to get a clean and uh, fluent break between partials. Now, do you believe it's the lips doing the work or do you believe it's the air? I think it's a combination of three things. And I think they, they may be equally distributed. I consider the lips to be important, yes, but maybe not important in most situations as the air is. Let's face it, the biggest uh, gap in on our horn is a bottom of the horn. Between B flat to F, you have a four, a fifth. Between F and B flat, you only have a fourth. Then you have a third, major third. Then you have a minor third. Then you have a very, very flat minor third. Then you have a second. So the higher you go, the closer the partials become. Yes. So it becomes counterproductive to consider that a lip problem, it becomes an air problem. So I always say, the lower you are on the horn, the more the lip and the jaw and the syllabication has to say about it. For instance, oh, in that lower range. That is important. Uh, you're getting the jaw setting, you're getting the, uh, you have a term for that, chambering, probably. Yes. Yes. And uh, <laughs> the air, by necessity, is going to adjust to the chambering, the back of the tongue, the whole thing. Um, but once you get above your tuning note, the biggest interval you have is between B flat and D, and that's just a major third. So the lip becomes a secondary consideration, and it is mostly about the air and the chambering sort of application when it comes to a good lip slur. And I have been making trills on the trombone since I was about 10th grade. Wow. And I can tell you that at that speed in the upper range, uh, it's mostly air. Absolutely. Hey, Tyler. The you go, the air, the we've got a question air. from uh, from from someone here. I'm going to unmute Jacob over here. Jacob's got a question for Mr. Williams and Tyler. Hold on one second. Jacob. Hey, Jacob. Yeah. What's your question? You? What's your question for Tyler, Jacob? Uh, how should our embouchure be like shaped going near like the high register to keep a good clear tone? Well, I'll talk a little bit about it and I'll hand it off to Frank. Um, you want your embouchure again. Um, you don't want it to change too much here. Mm. Now there needs to be, uh, some shift, but the shift needs to be across here and down. Okay. So if I'm buzzing low, my embouchure is sort of uh, up more, but if I'm buzzing higher, it's more spread out. Okay, now this is just free buzzing practice that you can do in the mirror. What really needs to change here 
is um, the air needs to be shaped from an O to an or O and ah syllable to an E. And I'll let Mr. Williams elaborate more. Yeah, it helps. And, and, and I want to caution you. Um, Tyler did discuss the wider uh, lip setting in the upper register. However, one of the things that I have seen with a lot of young players is that they go so wide that it become tight, they thin the lip out so much that it can't vibrate. So you're not going to get a note because the lip is too tight and too thin to vibrate. And uh, so make sure that uh, when you have the, the armature focus right, that you understand the fuller you can keep your vibrating surfaces, which are your upper and lower lip, and be honest with you, mostly that uh, upper lip, okay, make sure that you also don't put a lot of pressure on it, okay? Louis Armstrong was called Dipper Mouth because of that ring he had on his lip because he played with too much pressure. Okay, that is not a good thing. It's like choking yourself and say, I'm going to sing. You don't want to choke your lip and then say, hey, trombone, sing a high B flat. That is not going to happen. So make sure you're not using pressure and make sure that you keep the lips as full as possible so the vibrating surface is there and the lips are pliable to vibrate with the air that causes the vibration. That's it. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's it. No, you hit it, man. I love it. I love it. I, I uh, trust me, I learn just as much as these kids do every time, man. Every time. <laughs> Still learning every day. Oh, my God. I did this for probably too, much too long. <laughs> I love it. I hope that answered the, the question, Jacob. And if you have any more questions, just shoot them in the, in the chat box here. Anyone else? Okay. Can I talk about breathing, uh, working on breathing and air support and diaphragm and all of that? Can I talk about that for a second? If you're working Absolutely. Um, just briefly, uh, the history is that when I was in graduate school one summer, I didn't have a trombone instructor. I had a trumpet instructor. And after hearing me play, he said, well, the one thing I have decided, I said, what's that? He says, I can't teach you anything about the trombone. I go, oh, boy. It's going to be a long summer. He says, well, we can sure work on breathing. I said, there's something wrong with my breathing? He says, no, but these are wind instruments, and you can never breathe well enough or efficiently enough. So he spent the whole summer working on breathing. Here are a couple of things I need to let you know. Number one, mm -hmm. it is important that you are absolutely breathing diaphragmatically. And a lot of kids who think they are are not. One of the things we are designed to do is when we are laying down, sleeping, or just resting, we automatically breathe diaphragmatically. You walk past anyone who's laying down, you see what's moving up and down. It is not their chest. It is their lower abdomen. That's because the air is going all the way to the bottom of the lungs. The idea for us is to approximate the feeling and the apparatus movement movement that we have while reclined while sitting. So I quite often, when I find students who are moving their shoulders and all that kind of stuff and chest breathing, I have them lay back on a chair, on the floor, whatever we can do, and have them just breathe. And I put a little pressure 
on the diaphragm area, the belly, right on the belly button, and have them push against it to make sure you understand how to put pressure with that diaphragm muscle against those lungs to cause that air to move properly. And then I had them sit up and try to approximate that same feeling and then back down again. And eventually, they will get it no longer how long they have breathed incorrectly. So check yourself by laying down on your bed, laying on the floor, laying across two chairs, and seeing if the breathing in that scenario is exactly what you're doing when you are erect or sitting in a chair or standing. And if it is not, that is the first key to the fact that your breathing is in need of repair. It is chest breathing, not diaphragmatic breathing, which means you're not using the entirety of your lungs. Okay? Got it? Got it. Okay. Something else I like to do is take a piece of paper and bend it with the air. Hmm. And keep it bent at a steady arc. If it starts wavering, that shows you that your airspeed is not consistent. If your airspeed is not consistent, you cannot, will not have a consistent tone. Yeah, it, it's, it's a little bit difficult. I normally... It's less moving. About a big thumb. Uh-huh. So I focus the air, cut it, just, just cut tail for me about as big as your thumb. And then hold it like this and focus the air as if you're playing the horn because when you play that play through your armature, it's such a small hole. So that way you're working on focusing the air, directing the air, and you're working on controlling the speed of the air and the velocity and volume of air. Keep it bent. Don't let it don't let it waver. You see what I'm talking about? You see it wavering? It That's wavering. tough. That's tough, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you see ah yes yeah, yeah. it causes you because what happens is we get uncomfortable when we're just about out of air and we kind of let up and that thing starts waving right. this forces you to how should i say this accelerate the use of the diaphragm muscle in order to keep the tone steady as you are using up the resources called air in your lungs and all you need is a little piece of paper. That's all you need. Yep. yep. I'm now, keeping I, this. Yeah, when I was a kid, they made me do it with a match. You had okay. to do it with a match and bend the flame and not blow it out. Ah, okay. I blow it out. But what would happen is sometimes you burn your finger. Back in those days, you get away with that as a teacher. You can't get away with that these days. So I would not be using matches. Use that piece of paper, okay? Got it. Yes, sir. But thank you so much, Frank, for this tip. I mean, this is something that I just found out about. And I mean, already just from practicing it twice, uh, you saw the difference in the airspeed. And you can feel a more relaxed and controlled um, intake and release, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it feels different when you really do have control. When you put your air on cruise control, that's really what you're doing. You're putting the air on cruise control, so no matter how much gas you have in the tank, the speed remains constant. I love it. How are we doing? So, uh, guys, we've got just a couple minutes left. I don't see any questions in the chat area, but um, perhaps you can – I know you're going to be back. Both of you are going to be back with us on May the 21st and May the 28th. 
and uh, we're going to keep at it together. So I was I was wondering if you if you might want to share with those that are here with us today what types of things you plan to cover in additional sessions, yeah. and if there are any other techniques or exercises that you want to leave the group with today that they could work on until then. Yeah, I have one thing that I'd like to do in addition to that. I'll let Tyler handle those things, but I have something else. If there is something that we are not covering that you're interested in, or if there's something that needs revisiting, leave that in the comment area with Steve, and he will pass it on to us, and we will include it in our next offering. We want to really serve you and to get as many of your concerns addressed as possible. Any, of that, any of that information can be emailed to info at clearwaterjazz.com, I-N-F-O at clearwaterjazz.com. Any future session topics, questions, and we'll be sure to cover them. And so the next few lessons that we have still focus on the uh, beginning and um, intermediate player. Uh, so for the next lesson, we're going to be discussing and focusing uh, tonguing and articulation exercises. So today was long tones, buzzing, breathing, um, as well as lip slurs. And um, so that's going to be our second. And the last of the beginner series is going to discuss major scale and arpeggiation practice, how to control the trombone um, guiding through major scales, also talking about some alternate positions, um, things to get yeah. the trombone, um, the yeah. beginner trombonist ready for the intermediate and advanced levels. All, right. All of that, one last thing i like to say, one of the best ways to work lip third is on a mouthpiece alone, because there are no notches, you have to hear the fifth, you have to hear the fourth. Whenever I think of a fifth, like from low B flat to F, I think of twinkle, 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 little star, twinkle, twinkle, oh, oh. And whenever I think of like the elf to a B flat, I think of the four. Oh, 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 my favorite song, the Blue Bells of Scotland, one of the first of the prior pieces I ever played, as taught to me by the world famous John Swallow Sr. I know John Swallow the third or juniors in the room somewhere. But yeah, it was your granddad that put that on me. So there you have it. Um, any, any questions from anyone? I'm not seeing I any, hope we have I'm not seeing right. any Frank. All right. So I thought that was a wonderful session today, guys. I really appreciate you both very much. I'm really looking forward to, to the additional sessions. We're going to keep going with uh, Frank Williams and Tyler Workman for sure with the Young Lions Jazz Master virtual sessions. Um, we've got a whole slate of sessions this week. Tomorrow we have the great James Suggs with us who's going to be talking about setting and achieving a goal, which is a topic that is applicable not only to his instrument trumpet but also everyone's instrument and even those who are not musicians i think it's going to be great we've got some sax players with us later in the week and we pretty much have one of these things every day already into june so hopefully we'll see many of you back with us for those sessions and um stay tuned to clearwaterjazz.com slash education 
to see a full listing of all these sessions and also the Zoom information of how to join. We appreciate you being with us. Uh, once again, Frank and Tyler, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation's Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. This podcast series is presented by our friends at Marine Max Clearwater. To watch the video of this full session, please visit the education and outreach page at clearwaterjazz.com and click on the studio. You can also learn more about the annual Clearwater Jazz Holiday Music Festival tradition and Clearwater Jazz Holiday's year-round education and outreach at clearwaterjazz.com.